AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Guys, thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off the Script. This is episode 410 for your Saturday, February 5th, 2022. I am JD from New York, and behind me is the OTS venue. Thank you guys for joining me on your Saturday afternoons, wherever you may be. Tony Khan is setting the internet wrestling community on fire once again. As always, TK knows how to drum up attention for AEW. Rampage happened last night, right after SmackDown. Very good show for AEW. And within that hour of television, Tony Khan stated that he will have a major announcement on Wednesday night in Atlantic City for AEW Dynamite. Now, the forbidden door has been a thing in AEW where all are welcome from other promotions to walk through that forbidden door and wrestle for Tony Khan and all elite wrestling. He's mentioning the forbidden door once again and running speculation is that it is a former WWE superstar. Some people are even speculating that it is a current WWE superstar who is actually still employed with the company. We don't know who this may be. But I will give you my opinion on this today and who I think it is. We're going to narrow it down to who it is and who it is not. But one thing is for sure, man. Tony Khan has a beautiful sea of talent to choose from to bring on into the promotion. I think we all know that their roster is somewhat bloated at this current time. He clearly can't take everybody for the sake of taking everybody. It, it is at a point where Tony Khan now needs to pick and choose who he wants on AEW's roster. So we will go over that. We're going to start with that at the top in just a little bit, but that's the major story coming out of last night and the Friday night wrestling scene. Also, WWE morale in the locker room is at all-time lows following the Royal Rumble. It is not very difficult to see why. On top of the Shane McMahon situation, WWE and the locker room right now not really meshing well together. Apparently, people in the locker room have a very difficult time with what's going on. Their concerns and their voices are not being heard to a point where it is stated that Vince McMahon is actively ignoring everybody in the locker room and just doing what he wants. We're going to go over that as well today on the show. Tyson Kidd, who is a mainstay in the WWE backstage as a producer. He is one of the many people who is integral in the Women's Royal Rumble in the last couple of years. He was not 
a part of the producing team for this year's Women's Royal Rumble. Why? I don't know, but I got the story on it. And the fact that Tyson Kidd wasn't there, there were other people on that women's roster that did not want to work the Royal Rumble without him being there as head producer for the Women's 2022 Royal Rumble. We got all this plus so much more right here on Off The Script. Again, thank you guys for joining me on your Saturday afternoons, wherever you may be. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you to all the new followers on Twitter. We are getting very, very close to 37,000 followers on Twitter. So thank you guys very much. If you guys want my in-real-time thoughts about everything that happens during the week, Make sure you guys go on Twitter. It's also a great way to keep up to date on when I do upload here as well. It all filters through Twitter. Instagram as well. Make sure you guys go follow me all over social media. If you missed any of the content that I've uploaded this week, and there has been plenty and there will be plenty, it's WrestleMania season. I'm going to be a busy bee. Make sure you guys go and check all that out. It's on the homepage right now. Everything you need from Monday's live stream, Wednesday's live stream, Friday, last night, and the live stream for SmackDown and Rampage Plus, episode 408 and 409 on Tuesday and Thursday. So make sure you guys go and check that out. It is all on the homepage for you right now. Hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum on today's Off The Script. And make sure you guys go and hit up my sponsor for today's show, Honey. Join honey.com slash off the script. You guys are going to download the free web browser and you're going to start saving money when you're shopping online using Honey. And I know everybody loves saving some money. Make sure you guys go and do that. Great way to support the show. That's joinhoney.com slash off the script. And as always, man, listen, I love you guys. I want to be in and around what you guys do. AEW is happening on Wednesday in Atlantic City. And I'm going to be talking about this for the next couple of days until we actually get to Wednesday. I will be in Atlantic City not for the AEW show, but I'm holding a VIP OTS meetup. So make sure you guys come on out to that and make sure you guys head down to the Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall on Tennessee Avenue in Atlantic City at 2 p.m. We'll probably ride it out till about 6 p.m. I know you guys want to get to the AEW Dynamite show if you are indeed going. So if you're coming from New York or Pennsylvania, if you guys live in Jersey and you want to make the ride out to Atlantic City, and hang out for a little bit, have a couple cold beverages, have some good food, talk wrestling. There'll be fun to be had. There'll be merchandise to be sold. It is going to be a great time. So if you guys want to join the meet and greet, make sure you guys head on down to the Atlantic City area. That is the Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall, 2 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon, right before AEW Dynamite. We're going to start at the top with AEW, man. This story is getting out of control and Tony Khan, like I said, really knows how to drum up attention for all elite wrestling. The forbidden door, the elusive forbidden door is once again opening. And more former WWE stars are expected to join the AEW roster. We're going to start with what Tony Khan said on Busted Open Radio. Tony Khan was on Busted Open Radio and he strongly hinted that more free agents are on the way to all elite wrestling. Khan said that more big names and big signings are expected in the near future, and the forbidden door shall be opening again very, very soon. Khan also said that there will be some news coming out of Rampage, which was last night, and some big news next week, too. Now, there was no real big news on Rampage. It was pretty much Tony Khan saying that there is big news, 
and he announced the announcement of big news coming, and the big news will be happening on Dynamite on Wednesday in Atlantic City. Khan said that it's an exciting time to be a pro, to be a pro wrestling fan right now, and the roster is getting better in All Elite Wrestling. Dave LaGreca, one of the hosts on Busted Open Radio, noted that there are a lot of free agents available right now. Khan agreed and said that he loves listening to the wrestling fans. He added, anytime we can sign somebody that's going to make the fans excited, that's going to come in here and give the fans big matches and that they're excited to watch, somebody that can bring new fans to AEW, it's a great opportunity for us. So I will continue to explore the free agent market and the forbidden door will be open again soon. End quote. Very tame reply by Tony Khan. He didn't really divulge much information there on Busted Open Radio. He took it upon himself to go on social media during Rampage last night and really kind of blow this thing wide open. Now, I will say about the Forbidden Door, the Forbidden Door is a great thing. So much so that WWE is even getting in on teasing Forbidden Door. No, they're not. There's no forbidden door that exists in WWE. Mickey James was not a forbidden door. Impact is not a forbidden door. The Impact Women's Championship is not a forbidden door. It means absolutely nothing. And as you guys saw, I don't know if you guys really saw, because, I mean, let's be real. Who's watching Impact? (laughs) Nobody's watching Impact. Nobody's watching Impact. Nobody sees how good it really is, right? If it was good, more people would be watching. Mickey James was in the Royal Rumble. What did they do? They did one of the lowest ratings of the year so far following Mickey James' appearance in the Royal Rumble. So what exactly did it do for Impact Wrestling? I think they did 114,000 viewers for this past Thursday. Give me a break. I do that in a single week myself on the channel. So how good are they really doing And how good is Impact if nobody's watching it? WWE did nothing for Impact, and Impact certainly will do nothing ever for WWE. They're even getting in on the Forbidden Door. Now, I will say this before I move on to what I want to talk about next. The Forbidden Door is great, but Tony Khan, I think he knows this. I mean, he is the mastermind behind all of this. He obviously knows what he can do and what he can spend money on and what he should not and cannot spend money on. The roster is looking a little bloated right now. Now, I know for a fact that Tony Khan doesn't sign everybody and lock everybody into multi-year deals. He's not signing everybody and locking them in. That would be a huge red flag for for, uh, AEW. It's not going to happen that way. Tony Khan is giving out small contracts, and he's giving out trial-by-fire, trial-by-basis contracts, and you have to prove yourself to him and see if you actually fit in with the environment and fit in with the family backstage in AEW. This is why he gave Leo Rush a six, seven, eight, nine-month contract, right? How long was his contract? It was barely a year. And he paid Leo Rush while being out nursing an injury. So how bad is Tony Khan's deal when he signs everybody to a nine-month contract or a six-month contract? There are, if you guys listen to the interviews being conducted, Cody Rhodes even talked about this. There are tiered contracts in AEW. Clearly, somebody like the Young Bucks or Cody Rhodes or Kenny Omega or Adam Page or Brian Danielson, CM Punk, so on and so forth, all the major names have a tier three contract. Everybody else gets a tier one contract or a tier two contract, which is, you know, not really concrete, but it is a trial by basis contract. And everybody he brings in for dark, he signs them to pay per appearance deals. 
They get paid. They show up. Tony Khan uses them. They get some exposure. And the world goes round and round. Tony Khan is not locking his money into deals. Otherwise, AEW wouldn't be right here, right now, where it is. They won't exist. There'd be no video game coming out. There'd be no competition for WWE. And WWE would be the only game in town. He knows what he's doing. So I doubt anybody coming in is going to get a huge deal. Maybe a Johnny Gargano, maybe a Keith Lee, maybe. Maybe uh, an Ember Moon, Athena, whatever she's going to go by. But not everybody's being locked into these deals. So the forbidden door is really a forbidden door. You don't know where they're going to end up, how they're going to show up, who they're going to wrestle, and how long they're going to be able to be in AEW. They, They may show up and then they may go do something else and then come back. Who knows? It is a very fun time, like you said, to be a pro wrestling fan. Now, a top wrestler apparently is set to debut on Dynamite. I'm not sure if this is in correlation with the Forbidden Door, but a top superstar is set to debut on Wednesday's Dynamite. Now, he talked about this on Busted Open. He goes on Twitter during Rampage, and he elaborates this a little bit more. Tony Khan announced on Twitter that a top wrestler will walk through the Forbidden Door And will debut this Wednesday night on Dynamite. Khan tweeted, and I quote, As referenced on Rampage, I have a surprise. On Dynamite Live on TBS, a top wrestler will walk through the forbidden door this Wednesday and debut in AEW. More info to come. Thank you to everyone who joined us for a great Rampage. See you Wednesday on TBS. Khan followed up on that initial tweet and said this in a second tweet, and I quote, The Forbidden Door can be opened for anyone from any wrestling promotion in the world. Whether or not it's a company that AEW is on good terms with, even if it's someone from a company that's open for business. That is a direct line from Nick Khan, who said, I am not actively selling WWE. We are not actively selling WWE. But if someone comes along and gives us the right offer... We are definitely open for business. That's a Nick Khan line. So that's a direct shot at Nick Khan indirectly. So we have Tony Khan following up that tweet with this one. They're also welcome to slam the door in the face of their prior company. That line says a lot. Who in the last couple of months has done that to WWE? I don't know. Two names come to mind, and I will talk about that in a second. There's a long list of names that would fit Khan and his description about what he's talking about in this tweet. Some of the names that fans are already speculating are Kazuchika Okada from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Josh Alexander, who apparently has his deal coming up in Impact Wrestling. His name was just mentioned on Dynamite uh, with Brandy Rhodes in a promo battle with Dan Lambert. So it should be noted that Alexander's name was mentioned, like I said, by Brandy on Wednesday during her promo with Dan Lambert. Alexander also sent out a cryptic cryptic tweet, which you guys can see on his Twitter page, about his future plans in pro wrestling. There are also several former WWE stars who are free agents right now, officially, as of this week. And the belief is that one big name may have already signed with the company, and his name is Keith Lee. Limitless Keith Lee. There was a third tweet from Tony Khan. He said this, 
in regards to this big, big story. With a great showing on tonight's rampage in a match against Sammy Guevara for the TNT title, Isaiah Cassidy has earned a qualifying match for a spot in the face of the Revolution ladder match for the TNT title at Revolution. His opponent will debut Wednesday and sign a contract with AEW. Isaiah versus question mark on AEW Dynamite. The big announcement for Wednesday's Dynamite that we referenced on Rampage, a free agent debut, and the person walking through the forbidden door are one and the same. They're walking in the door, signing a contract, and then slamming the door shut on Wednesday on Dynamite. End quote. I know this is getting everybody excited. It's gotten everybody excited, and I love when TK does this. TK has done this in the past and dropped the ball. He's done this in the past and fumbled. The big one was Christian Cage when he debuted. That was a complete blunder. He he went on and on and on about it to the point where he made it sound like CM Punk was coming in then at double or nothing. And it ended up being Christian Cage. And it was a very lukewarm reaction. I honestly think with all the backlash that Tony Khan received, all the criticism that Tony Khan received for the way that he handled that one. He came off, and I don't want to disrespect him in any way, he came off like a mark, a big-time mark. And he made himself look foolish. I think from that, he learned his lesson. I think from that, he took what social media and the fans were criticizing him about. And I think when he went into the Adam Cole Brian Danielson and CM Punk deals where they all pretty much debuted at the same show. It was a huge deal, and he went about that in the most professional way possible. He knew he had something special, and he knew he didn't have to do anything but the minimum to get people excited on that. And I think everybody knew. The wrestling community and the dirt sheets kind of took over for him where he didn't really have to say anything. I think everybody kind of had a good feeling about what he was doing and what he was about to bring to AEW. And he didn't have to say anything. And he stood in the shadows and just let it be. He played it beautifully. The whole first dance with CM Punk. Brian coming out at All Out. Adam Cole coming out at All Out. It was all a beautiful symphony of things that led into AEW Dynamite Grand Slam in New York City. It was fucking beautiful. I think Tony Khan's learned his lesson. And I mean that in a way where he is saying a lot here, but I honestly think if he's delivering something with this much hype, then it's going to deliver on Wednesday. Who is it? There are a bunch of names out there. Johnny Gargano is one of them. Let's start with him. Johnny Gargano was one of them. I don't think Johnny Gargano is going to be in AEW right now. Will he be in AEW? Absolutely. Johnny Gargano's new home will be AEW. He's not wrestling until Candice gives birth. And he said that himself. I don't believe she's given birth yet, but Johnny Gargano will be in the Owen Hart Cup. I do believe that. I do think that we'll see him around double or nothing time. I don't think that this is going to fit with bringing Johnny Gargano in. Another name that I thought about was John Morrison. John Morrison is one of those guys that is undervalued and underutilized. I don't think WWE really knew what they had in John Morrison. I'm a big John Morrison guy, not WWE's version of John Morrison, not this current version of John Morrison in WWE, I should say. When John Morrison was 
back in his first run in WWE. I was a big fan of his, man. I think they even underutilized him then. He's such a great fucking talent, man. This guy can go out there and give you bangers every night. And he's one of those guys that is very versatile. You can plug him into any situation. Mid-card title, secondary title, whatever you want to call it, TNT title. You guys can plug him in there. You want to have him be plugged into the world title situation? The guy is good enough to give you a five-star world title match. That's how good John Morrison is. Is it John Morrison? Does he fit into this Isaiah Cassidy match? This is the, this is the big thing here. Isaiah Cassidy against mystery opponent. You got to take that as a big coup right there. Kind of opens up the possibilities for one name and one name only. I'll get to that in a second. John Morrison, I, I would love to see it. I'd love to see him in AEW, but I don't think it's going to fit John Morrison at this time. Killer Cross, he's another guy that's been teasing AEW uh, and being all elite. I don't think it's Killer Cross. Keith Lee, I heard Keith Lee, or I read rather, I didn't really hear personally, but I read and heard from other sources that Keith Lee is a done deal. When they debut him, I don't know. What they do with him right from the word go, I, I don't know. Keith Lee is going to be all elite. I'm pretty sure that Keith Lee will be AEW. And when he is AEW, that is going to be a difference maker for AEW. I'm telling you right now. WWE will regret when they let Keith Lee go. They treated him like a piece of fucking garbage. That man will come in. He will have just as big of an impact as anybody else that's come in. And he will be AEW's first black AEW champion. Mark my words. That guy's coming in with something to fucking prove. And by God, he's going to fucking prove it to everybody. That man could have had a great career in WWE, and they just didn't see it. They don't see a lot of things. They're going to regret letting Keith Lee go. I don't think it's him either. So the, 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 the two top guys that I, that I want in AEW, Johnny Gargano and Keith Lee, I, I don't see it being either one of them. There was this rumor going around that it could possibly be Shane McMahon. I don't think it's Shane McMahon. I don't think Tony Khan would ever be looking at bringing a McMahon into the company, unless it's going to be a huge storyline that's only going to play out on TV and he's going to have nothing to do with anything creatively done backstage or office-wise done backstage. I, I don't see it being Shane McMahon. There were a bunch of AEW memes that Shane McMahon is going to be all elite. I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I, I don't think that's a smart move by, by AEW. And there was a report on the last episode I did, episode 409, where there were people in WWE wanting to let Tony Khan know that it would be a disaster if he brought somebody like Shane McMahon in after what he did to everybody at the Royal Rumble. Stay away. Send warning signs to TK. Do not allow Shane McMahon in. It's not Shane McMahon. Do not worry. The other name that I'm thinking about and I don't know if this is true or not, or if this could even be a possibility, is Mustafa Ali. Now, I know he's been very adamant about wanting his release. I would love to see him get his release. The free Ali hashtag is still going strong. WWE's not releasing him. Apparently, he's got more than a year left on his deal. WWE and Ali reportedly have spoken, and the word value has been thrown around back and forth. I don't know from which side that word came, but value was brought up. WWE clearly finds no value in Ali. I would assume that that word and its meaning came from him. He's valuable. He can be valuable. WWE doesn't see it. What they're probably going to do is keep him off television and have him ice cold 
before he goes and does his next venture. They'll probably end up releasing him a month before his contract is up just to say, fuck you. Then he'll go into 90 days and have to sit out another three months. And that would be the cherry on top of WWE's bullshit Sunday to Ali. Could we see Mustafa Ali show up on Dynamite and say, fuck you to WWE? He'll let the lawyers handle it. I would love to see it, man. That would be that would be fitting. That would be justice served for everybody that fucking hates the 90-day clause, man. And what big balls Ali would have to show up on Wednesday night and get himself into a match for a TNT title shot opportunity. It's, it's something that I'd love to see because it's just so out there. You, you don't think things like that can happen, but push somebody enough, man. You'll see how fucking crazy and how much they want it, you know? How crazy they are and how much they want it. It's crazy. Who do I think it is? I think it's Jeff Hardy. I genuinely think it's Jeff Hardy. And the reason I say this is because Matt Hardy's been teasing a lot about changing his character, Team Extreme. I think he's kind of made it very well known that Jeff is coming in without really saying those words. He said everything but about Jeff coming in. The fact that Isaiah Cassidy is in the Hardy family office, the fact that Isaiah Cassidy is a pupil of Matt Hardy, Having Jeff come in for this storyline is just fitting. Obviously, Isaiah is not going to win. Obviously, it seems like the Hardys are going to get back together and hopefully the Hardy family office goes away and they all go on their separate ways. And I I honestly think it's Jeff Hardy with everything that's really materialized here. And what Tony Khan said in his tweet, it is somebody that is coming in, going to sign a contract, It definitely has to do with the forbidden door, right? I honestly think Jeff Hardy would fit into the forbidden door mold. Keith Lee isn't a forbidden door. Johnny Gargano is not a forbidden door. Killer Cross is not a forbidden door. John Morrison is not a forbidden door. Kazuchika Okada is a forbidden door. Will Ospreay, who's been tweeting Omega back and forth, I do see both of them somewhere walking through the forbidden door at some point this year. Those are forbidden door walkthroughs. Those other guys are not forbidden door walkthroughs. They're all free agents. They're not tied to a company. So it doesn't really fit into the forbidden door definition. Jeff Hardy and Ali fit into the forbidden door discussion. Ali more so because he's still contracted to WWE. That would be a true forbidden door. But Jeff Hardy is a forbidden door. Why is he a forbidden door? He walked out of WWE because he was sick and tired of being there. He didn't want to be there anymore. WWE thought that Jeff Hardy was under the influence. They had him take a drug test. Hardy apparently was under the influence, says WWE. That's why he did what he did. Hardy came back and said, I wasn't under the influence. I took a drug test. I know it's coming back negative. Hardy just walked out because he didn't want to be there anymore. He just gets into these modes, Matt said, where he doesn't want to be there anymore. He gets in his feelings and he just makes those rash decisions for himself. I'm not saying that he intentionally got himself fired, but that's exactly what it looks like. It almost looks like it's coming off as Jeff Hardy did what he did because he knew WWE would take the actions that they did, and he played the system right. Jeff Hardy played the system right, and WWE had Jeff Hardy go and manipulate this way out of the company. And their first inkling was, let's give this guy a drug test. He's fucked up. Jeff was not fucked up. Jeff's uh, Jeff's test came back negative. 
And then they ended up releasing Jeff without the test results coming back because they feared the worst. So now he's on the 90-day non-compete. So the fact that he's on a 90-day non-compete, and we all think he's on a 90-day non-compete, Tony Khan is playing up that Jeff Hardy's walking through the forbidden door. Meanwhile, Jeff, on his end, all he wanted was his drug test, his negative drug test. That's all he wanted. WWE supplied him with that. WWE begged him to come back to the company to go back to SmackDown. They even enticed the offer with Jeff coming back. They were going to induct him in the Hall of Fame this year during WrestleMania weekend. Jeff said no. Jeff said no. Jeff, all he wanted was his drug test, his negative drug test. And now WWE is probably in a situation where they know they fucked up. Jeff Hardy's in the right. Jeff Hardy's probably having the lawyers take care of it, take the lawyers and have them look over the contract and He's hoping the lawyers get him out of the 90-day. For all we know, the fans, Jeff is under a 90-day. Jeff could show up on Wednesday because the lawyers got him out of the 90-day and said, WWE, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. You did this, 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 this. Jeff Hardy is able to get out of his contract, and they work Jeff out of his 90-day. And he shows up on Wednesday against Isaiah Cassidy, who's in the Hardy family office, who has ties to the Hardy boys. I think Jeff Hardy's showing up on Wednesday, and it's going to be a big fucking deal. It is going to be a big fucking deal. The Hardy boys in AEW are going to be a big fucking deal. Whether you think that they're well, well, well past their prime or not, the Hardy boys are going to be money in AEW. WWE clearly thinks so because they begged Jeff Hardy to come back to the company. They even enticed the offer with the Hall of Fame induction this year. If that doesn't say we don't want them to go there because we know they're going to be a big deal, I don't know what does. Jeff Hardy's debuting on Dynamite. That is my prediction for Wednesday night. And kudos to Tony Khan. We knew it was going to happen, but it seems like it's going to happen sooner than we all thought. Matt Hardy teased making an extreme change to his character to even add more fuel to the fire. This is where Matt dropped his latest hint. After Sammy Guevara beat Isaiah Cassidy, Matt Hardy took to Twitter to comment in character about his stablemate, Isaiah Cassidy, losing this match to Sammy Guevara. On Twitter, he says this, maybe it's time for me to go back to the drawing board. Maybe it's time for me to get rich on what originally made me rich, which was me. Maybe it's time for me to lace up my boots and get a little tighter. Maybe it's time for me to adapt my old motto of fear. He then continued making a promise to the fans that starting February 5th, 2022, I'm going to bust my ass. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make my dilapidated vessel after all the wear and tear on my body, after my age, and get into the best shape that I possibly can be in. I don't like the direction that Matt Hardy is currently heading in AEW. If something doesn't happen with the AHFO, Something has to change. Maybe it's time for Matt Hardy to make an extreme change. End quote. Now, as you guys know, and I'm sure you guys are very well aware, Matt and Jeff used to be known as Team Extreme in WWE, which got fans talking when the AEW uh, whole you know forbidden door opened up and Jeff Hardy was a center of attention here and a big topical discussion point. Obviously, That is all correlating with Jeff, Matt, and Team Extreme. It's expected Jeff will reunite with 
His brother Matt in AEW when his non-compete clause expires. It's supposed to expire in March following his WWE release. And the Hardy Boys have already been confirmed for a few public appearances together in the meantime. I do think it's Jeff Hardy. I really do. I, I do think it all plays right into the fact that uh, Isaiah Cassidy's getting this match. But why Isaiah Cassidy? Keith Lee would not make sense against Isaiah Cassidy. Johnny Gargano would not make sense against Isaiah Cassidy. John Morrison, Killer Cross would not make sense against, against Isaiah Cassidy. Wyndham Rotunda is another one, right? Pretty sure Tony Khan wants Wyndham, former Bray Wyatt. None of those guys make sense in this instance. Jeff Hardy will sign a contract with AEW on Wednesday, and that is my prediction. Let me know. Let me know what you guys think about everything here, and let me know who you think it is going to be. Am I on the right path here? Let me know down in the comments. WWE still planning a big feud for Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre was reportedly in line for a feud with Roman Reigns with the idea that they would work a match at the Royal Rumble. Now, obviously, that did not happen. McIntyre had the neck issues. He showed back up in the Royal Rumble. Didn't last long in there, but WWE has Drew McIntyre back on television. He will not be working house shows. He will be working TV only, and in the time off, he's going to be rehabilitating his neck and getting his neck right so that he may compete at WrestleMania and heal quicker than originally forecasted. McIntyre made his in-ring return on Saturday night at the Royal Rumble, being a surprise entrant in the men's match. McIntyre made the call to come back early. WWE went with Reigns defending the title against Seth Rollins at the Royal Rumble instead. Dave Meltzer reported in the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that McIntyre and Reigns are still planned for an eventual program. He noted it won't be happening in the immediate future. It's February, and we got two months till WrestleMania. So, I mean, it's not happening now, but I do see it happening after WrestleMania. This is probably your SummerSlam match for the WWE Universal title. Or if WWE merges the titles, maybe we get a WWE championship and we drop the Universal title and Reigns retires as the longest reigning Universal champion of all time. That's what I would do. In a perfect world, that's exactly what I would do. Title versus title, Reigns beats Lesnar, one title and the brand split. You guys know how I feel. This is going to be your summer feud on SmackDown. Meltzer reported that this is still the actual plan. Meltzer wrote, and I quote, McIntyre is very much in the plans for an opponent for Roman Reigns at some point. Before his injury, there was talk about Reigns and and McIntyre as Reigns' program in the early part of the year in getting to Brock. And now that he's back, perhaps that's in Saudi, although it would be better served for later in the year. Clearly, it's not happening in Saudi. WWE announced Goldberg versus Reigns in Saudi for the Universal Championship. Puke all over the place is my reaction to that. McIntyre was announced in Saudi at Elimination Chamber to be going one-on-one with Madcap Moss. Imagine being at the top of your brand, being moved over to SmackDown in hopes of challenging for the Universal title. Some even thought McIntyre was going to dethrone Roman Reigns. Imagine being the WWE champion in the face of a brand in the middle of one of the worst times in American history with the COVID-19 pandemic, only to be moved to SmackDown to be feuding with Baron Corbin and Madcap Moss and your WrestleMania match for the last two years. I don't know how Drew McIntyre is okay with this, Jinder Mahal and Madcap Moss and then Baron Corbin. Those were his last three feuds. Is Drew McIntyre being underutilized? I would say so. I would say so. Everybody thought this guy was going to be on top of the world moving to SmackDown. It seems like he would have been better off on Raw. Awful. That, I mean, that goes to show you how terrible WWE creative is. So, 
That is what's going on right now with Drew McIntyre. It's still in the plan. I think this is going to be your big SummerSlam match. They're going to be in a stadium again for SummerSlam, and WWE is going to give everybody a big-time match, and I hope the story and the storyline, the angle, is good enough to be building up to that match and have it really be special. I really hope so. And for Drew McIntyre's sake as well, man. The guy has been absolutely in a sea of irrelevancy since he dropped that WWE championship. Biggie's single run is over. This may heart or this may break some hearts out there in the IWC, but this was this was pretty much the way it was going from the word go. At day one, Biggie defended his WWE championship against Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, and Brock Lesnar, who was added because Roman skipped day one or missed day one because of COVID-19. Brock Lesnar pinned Biggie in that fatal five-way at day one, hitting an F5, won F5, won the match, therefore becoming the WWE champion. Many felt Biggie's first title reign as WWE champion left much to be desired as fans wanted better for him. Biggie even previously admitted he wasn't happy with his WWE championship run. This is where you speak up and change. Be the be the change that we need. Instead of taking everything that these fucking idiots clearly don't have an idea about and doing what they say. This is your career. I don't know why anybody watching this thought this that this was the best road for Biggie to take as WWE champion. Biggie was then moved to SmackDown. After he lost to Brock Lesnar at day one, they moved him right back to SmackDown. Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter noted that Biggie's move to Friday Night SmackDown is a sign that he is no longer considered a singles champion-level wrestler. That was the exact quote in The Observer. Biggie being moved to SmackDown permanently and put back in the new day as a tag team looks to have ended his push as a singles champion-level guy. The plan on SmackDown was to put him in the new day, and he wasn't brought over specifically to be an opponent for Roman Reigns, although obviously they could still do that simply due to the fact that Roman Reigns is definitely going to be in need of new opponents over the next year, and they have depth issues when it comes to challengers, and he at least was on top for much of 2021, so it may be easy to slot him back in there and make him a credible main event guy again. It's not going to happen. If WWE wanted him to be a singles, he'd still be a single. They want to move him over to SmackDown to put him in the New Day again and feud with Los Lotharios and Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss. Man, have the world, uh, has the world gone in a complete 180 for Big E? Awful. Absolutely awful. And you people have nobody to blame but WWE. I'm not to blame all because I gave it to you how it was and I gave you the truth when I... First saw Biggie win the WWE Championship. It's not my fault. It's not anybody on social media's fault who was thinking the same thing. It's your fucking fault for getting excited about it. I don't know why you get excited about it when you all know WWE usually does something for the sake of doing it to pop a fucking rating and then they have no follow-up on it. They had no plan for Biggie as WWE Champion. If they did, he'd still be the fucking champion right now. WWE dropped the ball. They dropped the ball from the word go. All they had in mind was Lashley and Goldberg. That's all they did. They wanted to do that match. They wanted to do that match. They did it at SummerSlam. It fucking sucked dick. Then they did it again in Saudi. But the match in Saudi didn't need the WWE title. 
They figured we could do this match while making Big E the WWE champion. Goldberg fucked everything up. The fact that Goldberg came back fucked Big E. No, but you guys are not going to point that to being a problem. You want to blame me for speaking up on it when I'm actually in defense of Big E. The creative sucks. Bobby Lashley should still be the WWE champion. Should have never lost it when he lost it. Never. Bobby Lashley should have run through Monday Night Raw. WWE should have built Bobby Lashley as the unstoppable monster. They even shoehorned the New Day into a feud with Bobby Lashley, which would have set up Big E winning the fucking title from Bobby Lashley perfectly. Should have been Big E and Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam. Not Bill Goldberg. No, but it's my fucking fault, right? I said that from day one when he won the WWE title in Boston. But nobody's going to go back and you know, collect that little nugget of information. Oh, JD's racist. Oh, JD's negative. JD doesn't want Big E as WWE champion for whatever reason. Oh, yeah? I booked it perfectly. What did WWE go and do? They made a fucking joke out of it. My second choice of attack here with Big E would have Bobby Lashley run through everybody. Maybe Big E wins the Royal Rumble. Maybe Big E still money in the bank. Maybe Big E cashes money in the bank in at WrestleMania. Maybe WWE books Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE title at WrestleMania. Lashley beats Lesnar. Lashley's unstoppable. But Big E comes out, cashes in, and wins the WWE title, and then we are off to the running. Big E's WWE Championship title reign there, that moment would have been memorable. Everybody would have been talking about it forever. He would have only been the second man in WWE history to cash in money in the bank at WrestleMania. Bobby Lashley would have been unstoppable at that point. Who stopped him? Biggie. The first one that they should have did was Bobby Lashley doing Hell in a Cell with the fucking New Day. That's what they should have did. He beat up both Kofi and Xavier, did Lashley. Biggie should have come in and saved the day right after Money in the Bank. Didn't he beat Kofi in like six minutes? You had a perfect feud ready and waiting for him. And you didn't do it. Big E, the first thing in the office that I'd be writing for Raw on that script. Big E opens the show, cashes in money in the bank, wants Lashley at SummerSlam. That's it. Now, but I'm to blame, right? I'm to blame for being right. Go figure. Big E will never see another WWE title reign ever again. WWE made him champion with no plan, no plan of attack, no actions at all. They made him look inferior to everybody else, including Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. Go back and watch it. It looked awful. Big E was never on the same level in that match as Roman Reigns, and WWE wanted you to know that. And then the loss to Brock Lesnar at day one, WWE did that intentionally. They wanted you to know, shut the fuck up about Big E. He's going right back to where he was because he did not get the job done. Typical WWE fashion. We know it's not Big E's fault. It's WWE's fault. But what do you think WWE's going to do? They're going to take the blame for themselves or they're going to blame Big E? Ratings were down to the worst ever and nobody drew any interest out of Big E. What are they going to do? Blame themselves? Yeah, I'm sure Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon are going to blame them fucking selves, right? God, you, you people in the community are fucking mental. Really. None of you piece together proper thoughts and a proper discussion. This is why I have to come on here and explain it to everybody because everybody's a half-witted fucking idiot. 
Big E is done. Now he's on SmackDown feuding with fucking Humberto Carrillo. I'm glad you guys got to see Big E as champion. It'll never happen again. Braun Breaker. Apparently Braun Breaker was going to be in the Royal Rumble. Plans for that were scrapped. Of course they were. Something cool in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, let's get rid of it. Per Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, WWE at one point considered doing a spot with Ziggler and Breaker in the Royal Rumble to help build NXT. The spot didn't happen as it was later decided that nobody from NXT would be featured in the match. Breaker recently teamed up with Tommaso Ciampa to defeat Legado del Fantasma on NXT 2.0 this past Tuesday. And it appears that we are getting that match at the... February 15th show, I believe. What is it? Uh, Massacre something? Vengeance Day? I was going to say St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Vengeance Day. NXT on Tuesday, February 15th. So that is exactly where they're going with that. Braun Breaker's not losing that championship to uh, Santos Escobar, but it should be a a damn good match because Santos Escobar is fantastic. But NXT should have been in the Royal Rumble, man. Johnny Knoxville was in the Royal Rumble. Bad Bunny was in the Royal Rumble. Shane McMahon wasn't in the Royal Rumble. Do you know who wasn't in the Royal Rumble? Cesaro. Bad Bunny... I'm not taking anything away from the guy's performance, but I'm not really choosing Bad Bunny to be in the Royal Rumble over a Cesaro or a Finn Balor or a Braun Breaker or anybody in the Royal Rumble, for that matter. Anybody on that WWE roster. Bad Bunny should not have been there. Johnny Knoxville should not have been there. Shane McMahon should not have been there. I would have absolutely done a mix of main roster talent and maybe five or six NXT talents. Braun Breaker, Tony D'Angelo, Pete Dunne, Tommaso Ciampa. Throw names in there that are legitimate enough to fucking be tough enough to win the fucking thing. Everybody in that match, nobody had a shot at winning it. The only time I ever felt like anybody had a shot is when Drew McIntyre came out. And we didn't even expect him to be there. That Royal Rumble was a fucking joke. WWE should always be using NXT in something like that because the environment calls for it. Get NXT over. Get these names in front of a bigger crowd. 40,000 fucking people in St. Louis. You don't want 40,000 people in St. Louis to know who Braun Breaker is or Tony D'Angelo or, or anybody that you're building up there. Uh, what's this? The Grayson Waller. Why? Why? What difference does it make if they get eliminated? Book them in the match to go 15, 20 minutes. Have a decent showing. Get NXT some recognition. Hey, where can I find this guy? I like this guy. He's on Tuesday night. I'm going to watch Tuesday night. Nothing. They don't give a shit about the NXT brand, Triple H, and his vision was fucking killed. They didn't give a shit about him. They clearly don't give a shit about the NXT name at all. Otherwise, they would have made steps to make this happen. It only makes sense. And they did not do it. And we got fucking Johnny Knoxville. Tyson Kidd. He's frustrated with WWE. Women refuse to work the Royal Rumble match due to his absence. This is news to me. Why is Tyson Kidd frustrated? Fightful previously reported that Tyson Kidd has not been producing matches for WWE for several weeks now. At this time, it was said that Tyson Kidd's absence was actually tied to the Royal Rumble, but no other details were provided. Now, Tyson Kidd, his real name is TJ Wilson, has been praised by the female talent for his dedicated work with helping them out and is usually a producer for the majority of the women's matches in WWE. However, Kid wasn't at the Royal Rumble. They had to call in Fit Finley, who was brought in to help produce the match, and he has been he has been producing some of the women's matches, but not like TJ Wilson. He's been a part of the producing team for the ladies and has been for many years, but TJ Wilson has been the primary go-to for all the women's matches. 
Fightful says this. Sean Ross Sapp actually said this in a Q&A this week. And I quote, A few weeks ago, I heard that TJ Wilson had grown frustrated. The reason I didn't run a story on this is because I heard conflicting things from people that work with him, that are close with him, the company itself. So one person who told me the information said he wasn't there. He didn't show up, wasn't happy with how things were going, and he's no longer there. However, I follow up with WWE. I follow up with people close to him, and they say, no, TJ is still with the company. A couple of weeks go by. He's not listed on any of the internal producers' lists. Now, Shane McMahon wasn't listed as a producer either, but he helped produce the Royal Rumble. TJ Wilson did not, to a point where there were women that were contacted for the Royal Rumble that said, TJ isn't doing it, I'm not doing it, and they brought in Finn Fitley. End quote. Sapp continued by adding that kid wasn't listed at Monday Night Raw either, which made him think that kid might just be taking time off. There are a lot of burnout going around the producers. Beyond this week with the Royal Rumble, WWE had a short staff of producers last Friday for SmackDown because some of them were at SmackDown while the rest were at the Royal Rumble to go over the match. Sapp also stated that a lot of the producers had been overworked and exhausted, and they don't complain about the hard work. Regarding Tyson Kidd, it was said that people close to him and in WWE are adamant that he is still with the company and beloved by the wrestlers. It was added that Kidd not producing the Rumble match bummed out a lot of people. Sapp is working on finding more to this situation, but Kidd's last night producing WWE came on the January 14th episode of SmackDown. Kidd's absence had nothing to do with his wife, Natalia, losing in three seconds on that episode. Now, I don't know if that's actually legit, but that would fucking frustrate me if I'm TJ Wilson and I have to see my fucking wife lose in three seconds to a goddamn fucking bum in Aaliyah. That's not really calling for TJ Wilson to do his job. What goes into producing a fucking three-second match? Nothing. I think this story's bullshit. I'll give you the reason why TJ Wilson isn't there and why TJ Wilson's frustrated. TJ Wilson's frustrated because TJ Wilson is frustrated with the fucking direction of the women's division. Nobody in that women's division is getting over. The women's division is lacking on SmackDown and on Raw. Charlotte Flair seemingly always at the top. The same fucking faces every week. Sasha not being used. Shotzi Blackheart not being used. Bailey and Asuka not coming back. Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash. Fucking trash. Liv Morgan and Zelina. Carmella being tag team champions. Dana Brooke running around with the 24-7 championship. It's a joke. It's a joke. WWE wants you to exactly know what they think of women's wrestling. And this is the Bruce Pritchard vision of women's wrestling. This is Johnny Laurinaitis. People power. That's his vision of women's wrestling. Tyson Kidd has been there for years doing this. He's been all through it, through the thick of the women's revolution. You don't think that man sees a deterioration in the women's division right now in WWE? Why else would he be frustrated? And then there were reports that WWE wanted to bring back Nia Jax. WWE wanted to bring in Peyton Royce and Billy Kay and have the Iconics or the Inspiration show up in the Royal Rumble. Lana! WWE wanted Lana to be in the Royal Rumble. They all said no. Nia Jax said no. I'm still under my 90 days. You're paying me anyway. You're not bringing me in to the Royal Rumble and, and paying me any extra to be there, so fuck you. You're still paying me. I could sit home and do the same thing that uh, I'm doing now instead of flying out to the Royal Rumble and making the same amount of money. 
So WWE tried to weasel her in there, and she said, fuck you, which I actually, I actually have grown to respect Nia Jax just for that simple quote. The Iconics, the inspiration, they told WWE no. And I wonder if them telling WWE no has to do with this. Same thing with Lana. I don't know. Who else did WWE ask for and said no? Because TJ Wilson wasn't there. This obviously has to do, it could be burnout. I'm not, I'm not really sure, you know, how much of it is what I'm talking about compared to burnout. Burnout may be one of the main reasons why. Maybe it's just home wrestling. But this is big time money making WrestleMania season. Why are you going to be, why are you going to be out? Why would you be out? Of all, of all the times in the year, you're taking this season to go, go home and rest. It's got to be something more than that. I honestly think the way he sees it, the frustration is mounting because the women's division is fucking awful. And everybody sees it. And WWE's not doing anything about it, about it. They want what they want. They want two-minute matches every fucking week. And everything that happened before the Royal Rumble, I guarantee you that was also adding to his frustration. You got Tony Storm versus Charlotte Flair. Should be a money match on any fucking card. The feud was built up by throwing pies in each other's face, which then landed Tony Storm a loss on SmackDown, only for her to say fuck you and quit the company that same weekend. As a producer for that division, where you work primarily with all that locker room, you tell me that's not frustrating for somebody to see? Losing talent like that? Going through all the fucking terminations that WWE fired? You don't think that hurts him? And then seeing his wife booked like a loser on the show. Three weeks running now. She's been a loser for a long time with WWE mishandling everything in that division, including her. You don't think this is mounting frustration? It absolutely is. Now, I don't know if he's going to be someone that's going to be asking for his release, being that his wife is working there. I doubt that's the case. But he may be taking a stand. Enough is enough with this shit. I want to work for you guys, but shit needs to change. This is not right. Everybody knows it's not right, but everybody seemingly is ignoring the fucking problems. On Monday Night Raw, no real plans for Veer Mahan. On Monday Night Raw, Sean Ross Sapp talked about Veer in this same Q&A. He talked about Veer finally getting to Raw. Sapp stated, and I quote, I'm not convinced he will. And when he does, I think he will just go away. It's a rib now at this point. End quote. WWE filed for the trademark of Veer Mahan. And he's been backstage at shows. He's been used on main event, but just not used on TV. As time goes on, it seemingly looks like a situation that Elias had in WWE, where they showed vignettes of the re-debut of Elias, only to have those plans completely dropped. I don't get it. WWE clearly has made a fucking blunder here. And this is a rare situation where WWE has made a blunder with Veer Mahan. They didn't expect anything from Veer Mahan. Now he's been having these vignettes and it's gotten over on social media. It's taken on a life of its own. I guarantee you if they debut this guy, social media is going to go crazy for Veer Mahan. How long it lasts, I don't know. It may be a week, two weeks, and then may die off. But get this guy in the fucking ring. You don't think you could use more talent on the fucking show? How difficult would it be to book this guy on Monday Night Raw in squash matches? Just get him on TV while you come up with a solid plan for what this guy could be doing. I don't get it. 
The neglect of talent is fucking ridiculous. This is the worst I've ever seen it. Get him on the show. Somehow this guy has become cool in the IWC. Now I know the internet wrestling community is a small part of the overall audience in WWE, but Jesus fucking Christ, if you got something that looked like it was going to bomb and all of a sudden it's taken on a life of its own and people want to see it, why don't you give the fucking people what they want? I don't get it. Just get them on TV. It's going to be a pleasant surprise when it does. WWE talent is reportedly frustrated with the entire company. Attempts to speak with Vince McMahon are being ignored. Fightful is reporting that several WWE talents feel that they do not have a voice and they are reduced to making pleas on social media. There were no names listed in the report, but Mustafa Ali has been public about wanting his release from the company and it was noted that Cesaro liked tweets that include messages from fans expressing frustration that he was not included in the men's Royal Rumble match. Fightful also notes that another talent stated that they've never felt less heard and attempts to speak to Vince McMahon have gone ignored. Fightful also states that there is a wealth of discouraged and disappointed WWE talent who are frustrated with the direction of the company and the talent ranges from people who are rarely used, new names, and veterans. It was said that morale in the locker room has been decreasing weekly. While no names were mentioned in this report, several of the ex-talent and personnel have talked about their frustrations. Scotty Tuhati, for example, he asked for his release in November and later said in an interview that he was sad about seeing so many of his friends being let go. Nick Khan has stated that WWE is not actively in sales talks, but Fightful reports that there are several talent in the company right now who believe that a sale will eventually happen because that is the only way to rationalize some of the decision-making. I'm not going to really embellish on this story too much. I mean, I don't have to explain to you why it is this way. I know that they feel that. I know that they understand that. They can't say anything. They're contracted to the company. They may agree with everything that I say on their show and on social media. Clearly Cesaro liking tweets from fucking randoms about him not being included in the Royal Rumble and how that's a fucking terrible creative decision. Clearly, that is just a tip of the iceberg type of thing in the minds and in that locker room of the WWE talent. All I will say is this. Watch SmackDown. Watch SmackDown. Ricochet is a world-class athlete. This guy's in the ring for two minutes. On what fucking planet are you going to put Ricochet in the ring for two minutes over Rich Holland? And then have him in a tag team match immediately following, only to have that win erased. Nakamura is the Intercontinental Champion. Hasn't defended it since September. SmackDown itself gives you nothing but Roman Reigns and everybody else is in two-minute, three-minute, four-minute matches. Monday Night Raw, there's no consistency in the booking. Storylines do not matter. Long-term booking does not exist in WWE, period. Everybody looks and feels the same. The women's division is in shambles. The tag team division is non-existent. Creative decisions with Lesnar have made no sense. Back and forth on, on ideas and creative. Creative ideas being dropped. Creative ideas being talked about, not being used. People wanting to talk to Vince McMahon about where they're going and what they got to do. Vision for their character ignored. No, but Bruce Pritchard is a great mediator in the locker room, right? 
All I ever heard was Triple H was a great shoulder to be that voice of reason. That anybody would be able to go to Triple H. The locker room would be able to go to Triple H and voice their concerns as if he was going to be able to do anything. No. But you think Bruce Prichard is that type of guy? I guarantee you, you don't even fucking see or hear about anything Bruce Prichard is doing because he's so far up Vince McMahon's asshole, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't even know who's in that locker room half the fucking time. Just watch SmackDown. The show creatively is absolutely the worst it's ever been. That roster wants to wrestle. That roster wants creativity. That roster wants booking that makes sense. None of them, none of them are getting that. Look at somebody like Shotzi, another example, being brought up to do what? To do what? She sits in the back every week in a women's division that absolutely, on paper, can use her. Is she being used? No, she's being used to pick up paper dishes and fucking catering to clean up after everybody that is actually on the fucking show. Oh, honey, you ain't on the show. You got enough time to clean this up. You know, Charlotte Flair's got to go ready and powder herself, so she's got to go out there in, uh, in front of live television. I mean, give me a fucking break. Why do you think Tony Storm got up and left? She felt the same fucking way. She even talked about it. Sitting in catering for months before WWE decided on using her, coming up with something for her to do, was demoralizing. Why do you call them up if you do not have a solid plan for them in place? Goes right back to the Veer Mahan situation. Why is he even there? Why are you employing Ali if you don't plan on using somebody as talented as Mustafa Ali? It's unbelievable. So are you surprised by this report? Frustrated? Attempts to speak with McMahon are being ignored? I guarantee you, you go to AEW. You want to speak to Tony Khan? You get Tony Khan's ear. You talk about what you're going to do. You bounce ideas back and forth. He ultimately makes the final decision. But at least you are sitting in front of him, speaking your mind and going over what you feel should be done. Bouncing ideas off of him. That's a boss. That's a boss. Jade Cargill even said, that when she goes to AEW on a weekly basis, that she feels like it's a family. She didn't want to go to WWE after WWE was interested in her. She didn't want to go to WWE because she didn't want to go over there where the boss doesn't know her name, and she just feels like a number. She signed with AEW because Tony Khan is not your normal boss. Tony Khan cares about every single person in that locker room equally. Vince McMahon? Vince McMahon only cares about Vince McMahon he couldn't give a single shit about anybody in that locker room. You do what he wants, and if you don't like it, sit in your corner and be miserable. You are our slave for the next three, four, or five years, depending. Fucking terrible. But everybody chimes in that WWE made a billion dollars last year. I don't see how, how that is any of your concern or my concern. When you got a roster like this that is largely disgruntled, awful. Now, but keep making your money. You're not going to have a roster uh, at the end of all of this. Half of your fucking roster members are going to go somewhere else to be free from the ball and chain. They don't want to see you make all the money and tout all the money that you made. You're going to have nobody to pay. Of course you're going to be making fucking money. The networks are the only reason for your income and revenue at the end of the year because they're foolish enough to pay for your bullshit. And finally, guys, the WWE title 
and universal title situations may be on its way to WrestleMania in the main event together. WWE is thinking about title versus title with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Now, reportedly, a few weeks ago, those plans were never in place. Title versus title at WrestleMania was never the plan. However, with Lesnar's addition to the Elimination Chamber match, the idea of a title versus title match has now resurfaced. It's been mentioned in promos. Paul Heyman's mentioned it. Brock Lesnar's mentioned it. And now Dave Meltzer is reporting that this is possibly the direction that WWE is going. Several members of the creative team believe that Vince McMahon will ultimately make the call to go for title versus title, hence Lesnar's addition to the Elimination Chamber and the WWE Championship match. There were reportedly some internal discussions as well, including Paul Heyman and Lesnar pushing for this to happen. Meltzer says the only thing that is being said at press time, the course to WrestleMania is set with both titles, with a number of twists and turns to come, with most of it presumably playing out in the Elimination Chamber. The feeling internally is that Vince is leaning towards title versus title, which would mean the original planned WWE title match, whatever it was, is off of the WrestleMania card for now. You know, I, I mentioned this on, on SmackDown last night. If Lesnar won the WWE title at day one, and the plan was, because he mentioned it before, the Royal Rumble. He mentioned it before the Royal Rumble. He mentioned title versus title. So clearly it was in their plan. Clearly it was an idea already discussed, right? He wins the title, mentions title versus title. He's taking the title to WrestleMania to go challenge Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship, title versus title. He goes to WrestleMania as champion against Roman Reigns. It's the best of both worlds. Title versus title, unification, and the brand split. That's the way it should be done, right? That is the most logical situation. They give him the title. They have him tease title versus title. He goes into Royal Rumble. He loses to Bobby Lashley. He then enters himself into the Royal Rumble at number 30, winning the Royal Rumble. And then he shows up on Monday Night Raw, wanting the title back that he lost to Bobby Lashley just 24 hours ago, or 48 hours ago, rather, because it happened on Saturday. Raw was on Monday. Wants the WWE title back. Lashley says no. Adam Pearce puts him in the Elimination Chamber to get back the WWE title. But why did he win the Royal Rumble? Why did he win the Royal Rumble? He's already going to WrestleMania. None of this makes sense. None of this makes sense. So he goes to the Elimination Chamber to do what? Win the title back? So it goes from Big E to Lashley. Lashley to Lesnar, right? Or no, Big, e, uh, Big E to Lesnar. Lesnar to Lashley. Lashley back to Lesnar. Why? If you wanted this title versus title match, which you clearly dropped seeds for well before the Royal Rumble when Lesnar originally won the title from Big E, if that was your plan, why did you take the title off of Brock Lesnar to put it on Bobby Lashley only for Lesnar to drop it back to Lesnar? Are we hot potatoing the title? Or are, are these the twists and turns that WWE's talking about? I don't get it. With Lesnar in the Elimination Chamber and him winning the WWE title, in my eyes, you've automatically wasted the Royal Rumble. You've automatically wasted the Royal Rumble. You could have gotten to the point of title versus title without Lesnar losing to Lashley and without Lesnar being in the Elimination Chamber. You could have did something else for the Elimination Chamber. You didn't need an Elimination Chamber for the men. The women could have had an Elimination Chamber to see who challenges Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. We would have been fine without a men's Elimination Chamber. Lesnar would still be the champion. Title versus title is on its way. Title unification, hopefully, and brand split ending, hopefully. 
I don't see why you're doing this title versus title match now unless you're ending the brand split. I don't see a reason for it to make sense if it's not ending the brand split. I don't. WWE could have gotten to the same point with Lesnar not losing the title. If they wanted twists and turns, they could have booked somebody logically to win the Royal Rumble. The winner of the Royal Rumble would then go on to WrestleMania night two. You could do title versus title on night one. Reigns versus Lesnar. The winner of that match is the unified world champion of WWE. The winner of that match wrestles Sunday night and wrestles the winner of the Royal Rumble. That's a twist and turn that WWE never really explored. Why? Now, but we need Lesnar to lose the championship, win the Rumble, only to win the championship back. You've automatically disqualified any importance that the Royal Rumble has this year. I don't get the logic there. Builds everything around Lesnar. Now you want to know why fucking people are pissed off and disinterested in this season's WrestleMania. You got Ronda Rousey fucking putting everybody to fucking sleep. A match with Charlotte Flair happening that nobody fucking wants to see. Zero interest there. And then have everything booked around Lesnar in the WWE title while excluding everybody else. Now I pitched for AJ Styles to win the Elimination Chamber. AJ wins the Elimination Chamber. He goes on to wrestle Edge at WrestleMania. Edge wins the Royal Rumble. And you start setting up Matt Riddle to be the WWE Champion by the end of the summer. Randy Orton gets involved. RKO breaks up. RK Bro breaks up. Randy Orton goes and wrestles Edge. He wins the WWE title. Riddle takes the title off of Randy Orton at SummerSlam. In a rematch from WrestleMania. Simple. It's very simple. WWE has made the Royal Rumble this year irrelevant. But being that we got one of the worst Royal Rumbles of all time, it may be in their best interests for people to forget about this Royal Rumble, and that's why they did what they did with Lesnar. But you could have got to the same point without Lesnar losing to Lashley, only for Lashley to drop the title three weeks and be a transitional champion for a plan that you could have all done without changing a fucking thing coming out of day one. Thank you guys very much for joining me on the show. If you guys enjoyed this, let me know what you guys think down below. Hit that thumbs up. A thousand likes minimum on today's show. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys go follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That is Twitter and Instagram. And like I said, man, go check out my sponsor for today's show. Joinhoney.com slash off the script. Download the free web browser. Make sure you guys are shopping online using Honey. You're going to watch the prices drop. It's going to apply those coupons right to your cart, and you guys are going to save money. It's a great way to support Off The Script. And make sure you guys go follow, uh, or actually uh, go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. They're all there, all the live streams, all the podcasts this week. Make sure you guys check them out. They are on the homepage. And mark it down on your calendar, man. Atlantic City, Wednesday in New Jersey, Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall, 2-6 to six, OTS VIP Meetup right before AEW Dynamite. I'll see you guys for a brand new week on Monday, right here live on Off The Script with the Monday Night Raw post show right here from the OTS venue. Have a great Saturday, guys. Have a great weekend, and I will see you back on Monday for WWE Monday Night Raw. See you guys later.